The Cold Finger of Dread Kathkin killed and ate some type of semi-aquatic rodent about an hour after he'd crossed the track. He carried it onto a stone and in the stream it had lived by before devouring it greedily. When he'd finished, he dropped the remains into the water and thoroughly washed himself. It wasn't the best meal he'd ever eaten but it would provide him with the nourishment he needed to keep traveling. About an hour before the false dawn, he climbed the hill Jaila had described. There was no one in residence in the cave who might have been persuaded to have given a small cat some of their breakfast so he found a sheltered spot on the south side of the hill where he could easily see the thread of road passing a little more than a mile to the west. He allowed himself to fall asleep knowing that he would awaken if anyone tried to climb the hill. He woke suddenly about two hours after dawn with a deep sensation that something was badly wrong. However, a quick trot round the hilltop convinced him that it had been nothing but a bad dream so he settled down to snooze again. He expected to see his companion by lunchtime at the latest, depending on how badly she was delayed leaving the village. He knew that she didn't want to be there when the Darltorians returned, as they would probably be extremely vexed that the young girl had vanished. The day wore slowly on, and every time a walking figure emerged from a belt of woodland across the road over two miles away, he would get excited thinking that at last this was his friend. Always he was disappointed. He knew something had happened to her and was convinced that it had occurred when he woke from his bad dream. If he was right, then it had been within two or three miles of Antoria's holding. Although he wanted to leave shelter and run as fast as he could to her aid, he knew that would be stupid. He would wait to dusk and then set out. If she had been hurt no power in the realm would save those responsible from his anger. He might be small, but he knew could be terrible in his rage. He knew that he was most likely to be detected when he summoned the power to cast a spell as that created a small ripple-like effect in the web of magical energy that surrounded everything. As night fell, he went into the cave and cast a spell he knew he could maintain for hours. This time he grew to leopard size more slowly, stretching into it, with the least magical disturbance he could manage. In that form he could run for miles and experience had taught him that his senses were a bit keener when he was enlarged. Silently, and filled with an anger he had never felt before, he began to run. On either side of his path small creatures huddled in cover. They could sense that pitiless death passed nearby. A pair of foresters, saw him pass and one started to raise his bow, before his friend pushed his arm down and whispered, Damnation does not hunt for us this night. Let's not give it a reason to change its mind. What had taken him hours the night before, Kathkin covered in just over an hour. He could have traveled faster but even in his angry state he kept a sense of caution. Indeed he had been sobered when he had heard the forester speak because he hadn't noticed the two men standing nearby and a mistake like that could prove fatal. He'd run past a small side path when he caught the smell of her blood. Fighting down both despair and rage he turned to look. His heart fearing what you might find. Just off the path was a small clearing where the bracken had been beaten down. Her dagger with its point blooded was lying on the ground. Pieces of cloth that he knew came from her clothing lay scattered. She had fought hard. There was no residual trace of her magic so Kathkin reckoned she had been taken by surprise and had not been able to cast. Towards one side of the glade, he came across a place where small fire had been laid and her small kettle lay ready. To one side her pack was open. He smelt her blood again and following his nose came across a crossbow bolt, one side of its head was stained with blood. The other side carried a brown smear. Apparently, someone had shot her. It looked like a glancing blow. He sniffed at the stain and recoiled sneezing. It was a simple hunting poison used by those, and he found it hard to call them hunters, who drugged an animal so it could later be hunted again in an arena for human pleasure. She had fought while succumbing to poison, no wonder she couldn't cast. He raised his head and incapable of helping himself snarled his hatred to the moon. Jayula, was alive but taken by the enemy. 
After a few moments mindless anger, his common sense took hold. If they had taken her alive, it hadn't been to just kill her on the spot. No someone had a nastier plan. Taking his time, he examined clearing carefully. He found where two men had crept through the undergrowth, and one had crouched down, presumably to shoot the bard from hiding. He inhaled deeply. He wanted to fix this man's unique smell permanently in its memory. There was something about it he thought he recognized. He had gone back to her pack before he realized where he had smelt that scent before. The man had been one of that rat Tyrell's guards. He obviously hated apologizing to Jayula and had decided to take revenge. Strangely this cheered Kathkin up. Someone that self-absorbed would need to break a mere girl who challenged him in public. He would want to savor his vengeance and the cat thought it highly likely that he would leave the bard in a dark hidden place for a few days to break her spirit. Jayula, he knew had a strong mind and while she could sing in her head she would endure. Eventually she would break. Enough pain and deprivation will shatter the strongest resolve. But she wouldn't succumb quickly but would fight hard with all her strength of character. That he reflected, unthinkingly extending his claws, would give him the time to find her. The cat found himself purring, they had shot her with a hunting poison. From his studies he knew the animals were rendered unconscious for several hours and were too listless to be entertaining for a day or more. The bolt had just grazed her, so she had taken less of the dose than her captors probably believed. She would wake before they were ready for her. If he could get to her in time, then with their disparate magic, he would win her free. Another thought hit him, as a bard her weapons were her instruments. Her instrument case was lying by her pack, but he knew it would be too unwieldy for him to carry. He knew a spell that would allow him to open the case, but he thought the satol would be damaged if he carried it any distance. He remembered her pipe, and looked at her pack to see if he could remove it from its pocket he chose the wrong side first and discovered a second small opening that proved to hold a tuning fork. Using a claw, he managed to lift this out, then equally carefully removed the pipe from the other side the pack. It took some patience, but he managed to push one end of the tuning fork into the pipe until it stuck. If necessary, he had a cantrip that would separate the two items. Kathkin was about to leave the clearing to find the bard when he looked at her instrument case. He realized that it was important to him that she used her equipment again. In a strange way he felt that if he walked away from her possessions, without taking care that they would be safe, he would be acknowledging to himself that she would never return to traveling her lifelong song. He chose the thickest tree he could see, and with some effort lodged her pack and the satol case among the branches. He hid her kettle in a hollow under a tree's roots, with a quarrel and covered them with leaves. With one final look round the clearing, Kathkin left the glade and ran just within the edge of the trees. Stopping every so often to check that he was still following the right trail. As he ran his hot anger burned out to be replaced by an icy cold rage that he knew would sustain him until he had either rescued her or wrecked a horrendous revenge on Lord Tyrell. Master Healer Kalpin woke to the sound of screaming. Lord Tyrell had apparently fallen asleep while talking to the Reeve, he claimed from the exhaustion of his long rides, but Thin Man later confided that the Lordling had quaffed down two tankards of strong wine to mask the taste of the inn's inadequate fare. Thus, Lord Vernon's son had missed seeing Tymon riding from the village when he woke, stiff and hung over around five o'clock in the morning he decided that Master Kalpin's decision had been an insult to his father. The girl, he had insisted, should have been taken to Lord Vernon's hall, where she could have been properly looked after. The Master Healer had stifled the argument by insisting on the rights of his order. The girl had deathly ill and only a quick transfer to the nearest healer hall could save her. Then they had been treated to a tirade about how as Antonia's holding was part of his father's estates and the Darltorians would probably be angry that the girl had gone and might take it out on the villagers, Tyrell, as the ranking noble, should have been asked his opinion so that he might have given them sound advice. 
He had then more or less told the bar that she had to accompany him back to his father's hall, to explain her part in the affair to Lord Vernon. She declined, very prettily, and explained that although she would love to accept hospitality of Tyrrell's home, she nevertheless had a duty to her college. She had a rendezvous with another journeyman bard in several days and had messages from her masters to pass on. The lordling protested, demanding that she come as his father had a right to know what had transpired. She replied that she had already told Master Calpin all the details but, would happily summarize the facts in writing and name the next two villages on her route where Lord Vernon could leave her a message if the Master Healer's testimony needed elaboration. Tyrell had stormed out of the common room. They had heard his muffled shouting in the stables, where his men-arms had spent the night. Soon after two of them rode their horses out of the village and disappeared eastwards. Soon afterwards, his lordship had returned, in a better temper, Master Calpin noticed. In fact, he had a nasty smirk on his face. It seemed that the lordling only felt ready for the day once he had taken out his bad temper on someone weaker. This was a man that it would pay the healers to keep an eye on. Sometimes, Calpin reflected, it is better for one man to wither so that society might be healed. It was probably a good job that Lord Tyrell knew nothing about the healer's secret role. Lord Tyrell, the reeve asked as Lord Vernon's heir re-entered the inn, your men had yet to break their fast, should I keep their food hot for them? No, they won't be back till later. I have sent my sergeant and a man-at-arms to go around the outlying farms and villages to record any other sightings of the Darltorians. They have coins so they can purchase the food they need as they go. Once they have done their task, I have told them to return to my father's hall. Now, Lady Bard, I need to leave in an hour or so. Please join me for breakfast as I would also learn about your experiences on the road and the mood of the villages you have played in. I would also like to show you my normal behavior since I want to invite you to winter with Lord Vernon. I heard you play last night as I arrived. You have a rare talent I know my father would appreciate. I would hate to think that my boorishness might force you to decline. The girl had accepted his invitation to breakfast. Master Calpin thought that although she was inherently unwilling to place herself into Lord Tyrell's society, the economics of a bard's life meant that she might accept the offer. If she could overwinter in a great lord's hall, she would not only be warm through the cold season but would leave with enough money to support herself through the warmer seasons. Then she could wander through the remoter areas of the realm bringing her music, songs and teaching to villages that very rarely saw one of her order. He decided to confer with his fellow masters and perhaps sent her an invite to overwinter at his healer hall. A season spent with that young woman, and her cat, could be very interesting. It was also more than time that young Timon had an innocent, or otherwise, flirtation. It was somewhat after dawn when he heard her clear voice call out for the cat and playing a beautiful tune on a silver pipe she walked from the village. Less than half an hour later Lord Tyrell had decided to return home. He forced the reeve to lend him two proficient archers, to replace the men of his escort he had sent off earlier. When he had discovered that the village had no suitable horses, he had grudgingly let them use his remounts while berating Thin Man on his poor management. It would never have occurred to the lordling, Master Calpin reflected, to ride with less than his proper escort. The master healer promised the reeve that he would send a journeyman to the village soon to give the girl's family news of her progress. Then he mounted and followed Lord Tyrell's, now distant party in the direction of Lord Vernon's hall. He had no worries about being attacked on the road, his healer's cloak giving him all the security he needed. After all, groups of outlaws knew that if they politely stopped one of his order, any injuries, or illnesses they had would be treated, and the healer, bound by his oaths, would not say anything to anyone in civil authority. That discretion, he admitted with a smile, worked both ways. More than once when he had been a journeyman, he had been invited to share meals of freshly poached venison, by so-called outlaws who were hungry for news of the outside world. 